0: This program is made possible by org overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Ulaga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. In our studies today, we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be studying Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. You know, there's a psalm that says, and I quote, There are many paths through this world of sin, but there's only one I will travel in. Tis the old cross road or the way called straight. There's just one way to the pearly gate." Jesus warns his followers here in these two verses that we're gonna be studying, there are only two gates and two ways through this old world. And they lead to two very different destinations. There is danger in choosing the wrong way. As we read Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, again we are going to see there are only two gates. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. For straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it." When we look at gates, a gate is a means of entrance. You know, I grew up on a farm. There was a, there was a gate to the field. There was a gate to the barn. There was a gate to the corral. There's a gate to come into through a fence into our yard or whatever it may be. Some gates were wide. You think about you're going to have to have a wide gate in a field to get a tractor and a plow or whatever through it. Or maybe drive a truck through for grain harvest or something like that. And there were other gates that were narrow. You know, the gate that led into the chicken house was a narrow gate. But then the gate also, it says here, Matthew 7, 13, is a straight gate. The word straight here, S-T-R-A-I-T, and this is Strong's definition of the Greek word. It says narrow from obstacles standing close about. So basically this gate is something we have to squeeze through. There are obstacles there in the way and we have to squeeze through the gate. Now the means of entering this gate is obedience to God's plan of human salvation. Now we go over to Matthew chapter 16 I want to read something here that Jesus is talking about that goes right along with this. Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13, and reading down through verse 19. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremias, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now notice this part. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So right there he's giving him the keys... To the kingdom of heaven. The keys that lead through this narrow gate, this straight gate. And the means of entering this gate is obedience to God's plan of salvation. You're going to hear a lot of different plans of salvation out there in the denominational world. One of those plans is say the sinner's prayer. See, there's only one problem with that. It's not found in the Scripture. And that is a major problem. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says there, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, the word there also meaning authority, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So in order to obey God's plan of human salvation, we have to do what God says, not what people make up. You know, the sinner's prayer that I mentioned a while ago, it's not found in the Bible. You can search it from Genesis through Revelation, and you'll never find a sinner's prayer. So we need to look and see what God's plan of salvation is. We have to hear God's word, and that's only logical, Romans 10:17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, you wouldn't know about the gate, if you didn't study God's Word or didn't read God's Word, at least because you would have never heard of the gate. You would have never heard of the entrance into the gate. Then we have to believe God's Word. You know, we can hear the Word of God, but if we don't believe it, then what good does it do us? You know, there in Matthew chapter 13, in the parable of the sower, It says there in verse 18 and 19, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart, that he which receives seed, this is he which receives seed by the wayside. Those who hear the word of God don't believe it. That's the individual we're looking at there in the parable of the sower. They hear the Word of God. They don't care anything about it. And it says the wicked one snatches away that. They don't want to have anything to do with God, so they allow that to happen. Well, we have to believe God's Word. And again, that only makes sense as well if we want to have salvation. In John chapter 8, we find there in verse 24, John chapter 8 and in verse 24, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And you can leave the he out there. Uh, You look in the King James Version, you'll notice it's italics, which means it was added by the translators. So Jesus is saying, for if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. And that is the very thing that God told Moses there in the book of Exodus chapter 3 to tell the people in Egypt there to tell the Jews, or excuse me, not the Jews. They weren't Jews at that time. They were Israelites. In verses 13 and 14, Moses said, this is Exodus 3. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name that I shall say unto them? Or what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And there we see Jesus saying there in John eight twenty four, For if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. Jesus is part of the Godhead. And people that do not believe that Jesus is part of the Godhead, he said, will die in their sins. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we must believe the word of God. If you don't believe God's word, you're not going to enter the straight gate. And you can probably just go ahead and put it on a little bit further. You don't want to enter the straight gate if you do not believe the Bible. The next thing that we must do in order to enter into or through that straight gate is to repent of our sins. There are many, many verses in the Bible that talk about repentance. You can look at Acts chapter 17. Well, look at Acts chapter 2 first. Acts chapter two, verse 38. Then said Peter unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The word for remission of sins there, that is the same Greek word that is found over in Matthew chapter 26, where Jesus here is speaking, and he said in verse 28 of Matthew 26, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You know, there are some that try to say that the word for there in Acts 2.38 means because of. Well, you look up the Greek word, and it's eis, and it does not mean that. There is never a definition given for it that means because of. And if that was even the case, it would be here and Jesus would be saying here, this is my blood which is shed for many because your sins have already been forgiven. That doesn't make sense. Neither does it make sense in Acts 2.38 to say that. But also, you know, Acts 17 verse 30, again going back to repentance, repentance being required. Acts 17.30, In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And then we go to the book of Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 verses 3 and 5. Luke 13 verses 3 and 5. Jesus, there in verse 3 says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And they said the same thing in verse 5. I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You see, you can't get through the straight gate with sin attached. You can't get through the straight gate with pride, envy, covetousness, fornication, drunkenness, because only those that have been made pure can enter that straight gate. But then that's not everything that is required to enter in through the straight gate. We must confess the deity of Christ. We've already seen there in John 8, 24, where Jesus says, For if you believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. If someone does not believe that Christ is the Son of God, that Christ is deity, that He is part of the Godhead, then they will not be saved. They are lost. But in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, Paul wrote, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we see the word unto there. So what are we looking at when we look at unto? Unto. I want to pull up here the uh, definition here of the word unto. The word unto there in each case is that Greek word ace. And the definition given by Strong's is to or into. Whenever we look at Thayer's definition here of that Greek word ace, he says it is into, unto, to, towards, for, or among. So we are believing unto salvation. We are confessing unto. We're getting there, in other words. Does it mean because of in either instance? The Greek word ace never does mean because of. And then we go back. You know, think about that confession, the straight gate that opens to the path that leads to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if you do not confessing, you can't enter. You cannot enter that straight gate. And then we see baptism for the remission of sins, or in Acts 2:38 that we read unto the remission of sins not because of we'll go back and read Acts chapter 2 verse 38 again <clears throat> Acts 2 verses 37 and 38 let's put them both together now when they heard this who are the they those are the ones who were listening to Peter's sermon there in the day on, in the city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and they had just heard, in verse 36, Peter said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So there we see an ap- the application of what we've been looking at. They heard the word of God. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, They were pricked in their heart. They were cut to the heart. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What does that imply? That implied they believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And they wanted to know, is there anything we can do? And that's when Peter told them. In verse 38, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. The word in there comes from the Greek word epi, which means upon. So be baptized every one of you upon the name of Jesus Christ, the word for there, unto the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So right there, baptism, for the remission of sins, unto the remission of sins. In Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus again speaking, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So right there again, Belief and baptism put together. In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Paul is here recounting the things that had happened to him on the road to Damascus and then after that he had gone into the city of Damascus and Ananias came to him. Verse 12 says, One Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me. So we'll notice in verse 16 that Ananias said, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism is where our sins are washed away. You think about Paul, who was then Saul of Tarsus, is what he was called. He had been in the city of Damascus. He had been praying for three days. Whenever you go to the book of Acts, chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, and we look over... And let's see, beginning there in verse, or beginning in verse 8, this is after he had seen the Lord, and he was blinded, and Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, and they brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Saul had been praying there for three days. And Ananias told him... Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Saul had been praying for three days, but he was still in his sins. He had to be baptized in order to be saved. And if you obey that command of baptism, you enter the gate, the straight gate that leads to life. You hear the word of God, you believe it, you repent of your sins, you confess Christ's deity, you're baptized for the remission of sins, that's when you enter that gate. See, the problem is there's always an exit. Always an exit. People try to tell us that you cannot fall from the grace of God, but one scripture shows that that is a fallacy. And that is Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by the law. You're fallen from grace. People will turn blue in the face trying to tell us that we cannot ever fall from God's grace, but the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, yes, you can. So that is enough to prove that. You know, God only has to say something once, doesn't he, for it to be true. But then we have to stay on that straight gate. And that is Revelation chapter two verse ten. You know the latter part of Revelation two ten says, "Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of righteousness." Or the crown of yeah, the crown of righteousness. You look there in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We've got to be steadfast. We have to remain faithful to stay on that narrow path. But now let's look at the wide gate. Go back over and let's reread Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat." The wide gate, the Greek word there translated wide according to. Strong's means spread out, flat, that is, broad. You see, the entrance to this gate is easy. There's no hindrances, there's no obstructions, there's no difficulty. You see, the means of entering this gate are just the opposite of entering the straight gate. You don't have to hear God's word to enter the wide gate. And if you do, just ignore it, and you're entering the wide gate. Your means of travel is going to be a lot smoother in this life if you enter the wide gate. You're going to be speeding down the road like everybody else out there. You're not going to be stopping at stop signs like everybody else out there. You're going to be going to the bar and you're going to be gambling. You're going to be drinking. You're going to be fornicating. You're going to be covetous, you know, just like everybody else is. You're not going to be outcast. People are not going to be saying bad things about you because you're doing things just like they are. And you go over to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 and begin reading there in verse 3. It says, For in the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked. Here it is. We were just like everybody else. We walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. Now verse 4, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Uh, You want a smooth life? You want an easy life? Nobody talks bad about you? Get on that wide road. Get up, go through that wide gate. You don't have to hear God's Word to enter it. You don't have to believe God's Word to enter that wide gate. The instructions found in God's Word will make you give up the pleasures of sin. So if you don't want to have to do that, you you better not enter the straight gate. You know, you look at, you know, the instructions found in God's Word are going to, They're going to make you give up the treasures of this world. Everything that people focus on in this world, you're going to have to give up. And if you don't want to do that, don't enter the straight gate. Stay on the wide way. You can enter that wide gate. Because you don't have to repent of your sins to enter the wide gate. You can live your life the way you want to live it. And don't let God or anybody else tell you what to do. Because you're traveling on the wide path. You've entered the wide gate. And you're just rolling along there with everybody else. You don't have to confess the deity of Jesus to enter the wide gate. You can ignore it. You can stay quiet about it. You can speak against it. It doesn't matter if you want to enter the wide gate. You don't have to be baptized for the remission of your sins if you want to enter the wide gate. If you reject baptism for the remission of sins, you rejected Jesus, but that's okay, because that's what you want to do. You see, there's only a problem with all this. If you enter the wide gate, You're headed for that destination there that Jesus said is called destruction. You can live your life the way you want to now, but it's headed for destruction. And then he says, Many enter that wide gate. Many. That should be a very sobering thought. That just simply means that most people in this world that have ever lived or ever will live travel the way to destruction. And every one of us has entered one of those gates. We've either entered the straight gate or we've entered the wide gate. Now let's look at the two ways Reread Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. A way is a means of getting to a destination. You know, we, we travel highways, we travel state highways, interstate highways, we travel gravel roads. You know, I'm from Texas. We traveled caliche roads. Uh, all, you travel back roads or pasture roads or whatever it is to get to your destination. Sometimes those ways we travel may be Narrow, and they may not be easy. Again, you think about a pasture road or a mountain pass, maybe, or a way through the woods. These are all ways to get to a destination. There is a road to ruin, as we saw there. Many there be that you know. They, they broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. There's this broad way, this way that is easy to travel. That's the easy way. You see, that way is paved with popularity. It's laced with licentiousness, and licentiousness simply means promiscuous sexual matters. It's paved with alcohol, it's governed by greed, it's lined with luxury, it's served by selfishness, and it's all along the way, all the billboards and all the things that have to do with the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Those who practice any of these things or anything like any of these things is traveling this broad way. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Manifest just simply means they're made known. And here they are. Adultery fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Now, stopping right there for a minute, all of those sins have to do with sexual sins. Every one of them. Uncleanness doesn't mean you didn't take a shower last night. Uncleanness is unclean in a sexual way. Fornication, Thayer says that word means sex. You know, basically sex with... Before marriage, outside of marriage, homosexuality, and sex with animals. Fornication, any of those are fornication. Uncleanness is basically lustful living. Lasciviousness, lewd, Thayer says indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females. Dancing would be included in that, would it not? Now, in verse 20, we come to the first two here are things against God, particularly. Idolatry and witchcraft, worshiping other gods or worshiping Satan, you know, either one of those. Now, we come to sins against one another. Hatred, variance, which is strife, struggling, annihilations, you know, which is jealousy, wrath, The word strife here meaning factions, seditions, which would be division, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling. Reveling, you look at the definition there, a musical procession that includes drinking and dancing. And notice, and such like. Anything that's like anything listed there is a work of the flesh. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We could change that to they that do such things have entered the broad gate and are traveling the wide way. Or however you want to put it, they've entered the wide gate and are traveling the broad way but they're not on the narrow road, and they have not entered the straight gate. There are many that are traveling that road to ruin. But then we have the lane to life. You see, that way, this this way's hard. This way's winding. This way's burdensome. Because those, those temptations are out there everywhere you, know, you go to the book of James chapter 1 James chapter 1 <clears throat> begin reading there about the temptations verse 13 let no man say when he's tempted i am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any man who's the tempter satan's the tempter He throws the temptations out there, but what are those temptations for? What are they based on? They're based on our lust, our desires. And that's what we're looking at here in verse 14 of James 1. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. He's lured. That enticement's there. It's his own lust. But the enticement's there. Then when lust hath conceived, in other words, whenever he goes through with it, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Again, that's the wide way, isn't it? You know, that that lane to life is reverberating with rejection. People are going to reject you. John 15, 18, and 19. John 15:18 and 19. Jesus said, "If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own, because you're not of the world, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. If you're traveling on the narrow road, those on the wide road are going to hate you. They're going to hate you, that's exactly what Jesus said there. That world is paved with purity though, 1 Timothy 4:12. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. in word, in conversation, which means, excuse me, matter of life, in charity, or love there, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Be an example. And if the world doesn't like that, they're going to hate you. This world, or this road is also, this lane to life is hampered with heartbreak. Hampered with heartbreak. Look at Luke chapter 12, verses 51 to 53. Luke twelve fifty one to 53 Jesus says, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on the earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. It's going to be hampered with heartbreak. It's going to be packed with persecution. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Timothy three twelve. <laughs> Get the right right place here. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution is going to be there. We looked at that not too long ago there in the Beatitudes of the Bible, or in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, Jesus said. Then verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so, or in that way, persecuted they the prophets which were before you so it's going to be packed with persecution but it's going to be harmonious with humility first peter 5 5 and 6 first peter chapter 5 verses 5 and 6 it says likewise you younger submit yourselves unto the elder yea all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And then that lane to life is going to be flourishing with faithfulness. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Revelation 2:10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold the devil shall cast some of ye into prison and ye shall be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee the crown of life. Everybody that is traveling on that lane to life is faithful to God. And then we notice Matthew 7:13 and 14 again, there are two, Destinations, two destinations. Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth or which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Two destinations. A destination is the end result of entering the gate and traveling the way. You know, there there are many ways to get to Kansas City or to get to Dallas or to get to Orlando, but there are only two eternal destinations and only one way to travel to each, not multiple ways, just one. Now, comparing these two destinations to a city, there is a city that is called destruction. Destruction is entered by, or reached by entering the wide gate and traveling the broad way. According to Thayer, in his definition there of the word translated destruction, he says this, Destroying utter destruction of vessels, a perishing ruin, destruction, of money, and then this one, the destruction which consists of eternal misery in hell. The city of destruction then represents the eternal misery of hell. In Matthew chapter 8 verse 12, Matthew eight twelve, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We see two things there about hell. Outer darkness. You've ever heard anybody say, Well, I won't mind going to hell because I'm going to be down there with all my friends and I'll be shaking hands and we'll be visiting. No, you won't. You're not going to see anything. It's outer darkness. There's going to be weeping. Everyone there. Weeping. Gnashing of teeth. You think about it, there. there's really, I don't know, a couple of reasons that we gnash our teeth. One is for pain and one is for anger. Gnashing of teeth in Matthew 25:41 Now Matthew chapter 25 <clears throat> verse 41 Then shall he say this being Jesus Also unto them on the left hand depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels Hell wasn't prepared for human beings it's prepared for the devil and his angels and whenever God prepares something he does it right But every unfaithful human being will be there too. So not only outer darkness, weeping, and gnashing of teeth, but eternal fire. Imagine being immersed in total darkness in eternal fire. Why do you think there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? In Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48, Mark nine forty three through 48. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. For it is better for thee to enter into life main than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt in the life having two feet Than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, cut it or pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye, than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Now we are adding, where the worm dieth not worm there is from the Greek word skalex, which does mean a maggot, physically or literally, but figuratively it means gnawing anguish. Gnawing anguish. All these things going together. Put together. Jesus is describing hell as a horrible place. In Revelation fourteen ten and 11, Revelation fourteen, ten and eleven The same these are those that enter into hell. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy lamb and in the presence in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. They have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. The beast in his image, I was talking about Rome then, the Caesar and such as that. But if we don't worship God properly and we don't worship God, we don't do the things that it takes to enter that narrow way. We will be tormented day and night, forever and ever and ever. No rest. Eternal darkness, outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth, fire that never is extinguished, that gnawing anguish. That's the destruction city. Now let's look at the city called life. Life is reached by entering the straight gate and traveling the narrow way. Life there, Thayer says, means life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in proportion even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ. But after the resurrection, to be consummated by new accessions, among them a more perfect body and to last forever. That city called life represents eternal bliss in heaven. Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That wonderful city called life. In verse 16 through 23 of Revelation 21, And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof a hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysoprasus, the eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was of pure gold as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. God is trying to show us in ways that maybe we can comprehend the glory and the greatness of heaven. And we're all either on the road to destruction or the lane to life. And we can change paths at any time. We can obey God and turn from going to destruction to going to life. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But, or and, such were some of you. But ye are washed. They washed away their sins in baptism. Acts 22:16. Ye are sanctified, ye are justified, in the name of the lord jesus christ by and by the spirit of our god they changed directions didn't they they were going to destruction they were headed there but they obeyed the gospel and now they're headed to life so we can go from destruction to life but we can also disobey god and turn from life to destruction second peter chapter 2 verses 20 to 22 Second Peter 2, 20-22. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who are they? They're Christians. They've escaped the pollutions of this world because of the knowledge, and they obeyed, didn't they? But what happened? They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse than with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, than after they have known it, again we see they're a Christian, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed, to her wallowing in the mire. That is a Christian that has gone from being faithful to God to wallowing in the mire of sin. So question, have you entered the wide gate or the straight gate? Are you traveling the broad way or the narrow way? Are you heading for destruction or are you going to life? Do you need to become a child of God or do you need to repent and get back on the narrow way? You know, Isaac Watts wrote this in a song, and I quote, Broad is the road that leads to death, and thousands walk together there. But wisdom shows a narrower path, with here and there a traveler. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We thank you for listening.